Welcome to the HR Insider Podcast, where we interview some of today's top HR reps and human resource experts. It's time to elevate your human resource mindset. Welcome to another episode of the HR Insider Podcast. Today, I am joined by Michelle Saul from Possibilities Consulting. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in sunny San Diego, California. (laughs) Hard to be in a bad mood when it's this pretty outside. Yeah, it seems like that's always the case in San Diego. So It's pretty consistent, although we do get a little bit what they call May gray, June gloom. But we know it's going to burn off, so we keep our spirits high. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Michelle, yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to where you are now and what you're doing with Possibilities uh-huh. Consulting? You got it. You got it. So uh, in general, our our company, Possibilities Consulting, just sort of give a little background and then, and then I'll circle back and tell you how we kind of got here. Um, we have two parts of our business. One is the corporate side where we do leadership, development and training, and intentional culture, creating mission, vision, values for companies. Uh, uh, we've, we've run the gamut from large organizations to small businesses. And my particular sweet spot, I love working with family businesses, which is its own little entity. And that's what we do on the on our corporate professional side. And then we also have on our personal development side in our company, what we do is we run seminars. We have a seminar series that is three levels. They are three days each and they are focused on increasing emotional intelligence. And it is a very experiential process that uh, we have been told is extremely transformational. We run, I run women's retreats and Michael and I are just getting ready to run. uh, My husband, Michael and I have been in this business together and we are getting ready to put a power couple relationship workshop out there for next year. Yeah. So we feel particularly Excited about that because Michael and I have been working together as business partners and uh, marriage partners for 38 years. So we have a pretty great track record of all the ups and downs that it takes to, um, to work together, live together, create a life together, raise children together. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited about having that be one of our next offerings. So, how we got here? Do you have do you have another question first? No, no, no. That's great. Tell us, tell, tell <laughs> okay, us how you got great. to where you are now. That's great. Well, it's very eclectic and very circuitous, which is um, kind of fun. Michael was born and raised in Oregon. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I personally started out by getting my degree in dance therapy from UCLA, and. I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with that as a career. And as it turned out, it has served me in great stead because I did a lot of also uh, study in psychology as well. But it also sent me on a path of wanting to explore the mind-body-spirit connection. And um, that was 
I worked as a professional dancer for a while when I met Michael. He was running a whitewater rafting and kayaking school in Oregon. So I know, I'm very eclectic. Now, what also kicked us into gear, interestingly enough, is that separately, before we even knew each other, both of us had done some transformational work in a company called LifeSpring, which was kind of a companion to same time that uh, asked and that is now morphed into a landmark forum. And so we started in this very deep personal development transformational world. And I did that when I was 24 years old and it was 1977. And I got this intention in my mind, like my heart just expanded. I just went, I want to do this work. I want to put myself on a path where I can help other people have a wake up call and learn about themselves. And I created this sort of a personal mission statement for myself that was how to create uh, more joy, clarity, aliveness, and sense of purpose in my life and in the lives of others. So I set that intention that I wanted to do this transformational work. We left those those organizations for a while because um, they were a bit too confrontational for my personal values. And so I began to study and train for how to still do that kind of transformational work, but have it more heart-based and a little more organic and um, more loving and respectful in its process. And so that's what I began to do. I trained in that. And interestingly enough, also in between Michael and I, ran three businesses and I learned a lot about business from the inside out. Michael is the true entrepreneur in our family and and I went along for a very wild ride. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I also learned how to kayak and how to row a raft and learned how to again transformationally what we were teaching People on the river is how to face into your fear and the fact that fear and excitement are so incredibly tied together physiologically, the physiological experience is the same. So how we hold an experience inside of our mind, the context, our perspective of it is completely um, where we put all of that thought and attention and belief systems even though the content of the experience might be the same, how we hold it is going to be very personal. Mm. And so I learned a lot about training people for how to face into fear, whether it be physical fear or emotional, you know, facing into our emotions. So we went on this very wild journey. And um, in the 80s, we actually lost our three companies. Uh, we hit that big recession in the 80s that some some of your listeners, I'm sure, have no memory of whatsoever because <laughs> they were way too young. So I'm now at that sort of that old codger place. Where I go, well, remember the recession of 81? <laughs> and, um, basically, we learned to reinvent ourselves. We We lost three businesses, declared bankruptcy, moved back to Los Angeles, and started from scratch all over again. Wow. And, um, yeah, it was really big. And uh, that's when I also took 
some of this transformational work and we raised our family and I went to work for Jane Fonda. I um, became a certified personal trainer and I'm in some of the videotapes with <laughs> Jane right. and had a blast. I just really had a blast, but also knew that I wanted to deepen it. It wasn't just about, you know, doing physical training and aerobics and I basically actually taught the pregnancy and recovery class for the Jane Fonda workout. And what I realized is I really wanted to get back into the transformational work in the seminar world. And so we began training in that and, and ended up moving back to Oregon and training with a company there and started honing our facilitation skills. And we we trained for years. We also worked in large companies. We worked at Hewlett Packard and Intel and Sony and some of the big dogs and um, loved it and learned a lot. And it wasn't my sweet spot. My sweet spot was smaller companies and family businesses. And, and now it's turned out to also be startups, which has been enormously uh, gratifying, helping and mentoring uh, young CEOs and executives to to trust the process and sort of demonstrate, um, you know, resilience and reinvention of yourself. So we had just quite a wild ride and to sort of put a capper on it, we're now our own family business. Our son has now come into our family business as well and so we get an opportunity to practice what we teach which is very fun as well and here we are in san diego i was also on the, an, a motivational speaker circuit for a while and right now and so i was traveling all over the country doing that and right now we're really focusing on building our corporate work and then building our seminars and we now have um, some wonderful folks that have reached out to us. As I said, they really want to mentor and train with us and learn what we do. So not only are we focusing in San Diego right now, but we're also running our seminars in Washington, D.C. And wow. if you can imagine... If you can imagine, I think we need a whole lot of emotional <laughs> intelligence in Washington, D.C. right now. Oh, man. <laughs> More than ever. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other podcast. That's right. That's right. <laughs> all right. So, so Michelle, so you, you guys have had all these diversity of experiences that have led you to this mm -hmm. point in time. You've started different businesses. You've worked with small companies, large companies. Yeah. You do so much. I mean, your your offering is yeah. so diverse. What? Yeah. I mean, you know, the the audience of this podcast is is human resource professionals. What right. are some of the things that that you're doing right now that you are you know top of mind for you that you think would be helpful information to some of those mm -hmm. HR pros? Some of the things that I mean, you're just already doing those things for other clients, perhaps even. What sure. what, what are some of the things yeah. that you're that you're up to? Well, here's what we work on quite a bit in the HR world, and that is helping to, here's what's really important to us. We want to train and teach the HR professionals that we work with to really 
not only understand, they understand their value that they bring to a company. Sometimes we're not that great at um, articulating to the C-suite or the executive suite that the power of bringing human resources to the higher levels, elevating and taking them seriously beyond benefits, payroll, legal, all the nitty gritty detail that needs to happen for an organization to run smoothly. And sometimes it happens so much behind the scenes that it's not appreciated as Mm. much as I believe it should be. Because it's, to me, it's the people, it's the glue. And so the tips is, the tips that we give people as well in the HR world that we work in is getting our executives to understand that it's people first. If you take care of your people, then the profits will come. If your focus is just on profit, you tend to not take very good care of your people. So it's a model that we've been really working hard to turn upside down in the business world for people to see, take care of your people, they will take care of your clients, and you will have the profit that you're looking for for your shareholders or your owners or however your business is structured. Okay, so Michelle, and, why why is that difficult for executives to understand? Because I'll just I'll speak, uh, you know, for myself. That seems like a very elementary uh, thing. Right. If you have <laughs> if you have happy, excited, passionate uh, workforce that is right. engaging with your customers and your clients, whether you're a large business or you're a, a brand new startup and you have one staff yeah. member, it seems to me like yeah. that's just. It's a no-brainer, right? Yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah. come it's on. A no-brainer. So, so okay. what, where's the disconnect? Here's the disconnect. At the end of the day, if first of all, if it's a publicly held company, that's one thing as well, because your shareholders are looking at your numbers. So they're looking at the financials. They're looking at a bottom line. Even if it's a privately held company, oftentimes some of, you know, if they're in transition or they haven't, it's somebody that's been doing this for 20, 30 or more years, they're still looking at how am I going to hit my retirement? Do I have enough money in the bank? And then they start looking at their bottom line. So they might talk a good game when it comes to culture. Oh, we really want to have a good culture. We want our people to be happy. And then they look at, well, gee, our quarterly results, we didn't do so well. So now the CEO or the executives go in and they start hammering on their sales force or they start hammering on their customer service people. Why isn't our retention better? Why aren't we making more sales? What's going on? And all of a sudden they start to lose all that emotional intelligence part and they start to, just by human nature, they start to panic and they're just looking at the bottom line. And, And so they forget and there's a disconnect between what they say they want and how they're actually acting which is why our consulting company, we no longer go into organizations and just train skill. We don't just train to uh, listening, feedback, accountability, conflict resolution, uh, all of those types of skills that are so important. 
we make sure that we will only go inside of an organization if we have access to the top of the food chain, because that is where the culture trickles down from. Mm. And oftentimes the leaders, don't, they have a blind spot to how they're actually acting. They expect their workforce to show up on time, get their job done. You know, they expect all of this um, level of measurement and follow through. And oftentimes it's the leadership that is allowing themselves to be flexible and break the rules while they expect everybody else to follow the rules. And so they don't realize that there's a disconnect in the cultural, um, you know, how people are looking and feeling about the culture. They've got a nice set of values posted up on the wall, but the leadership out of panic that they're not making enough sales doesn't act out, doesn't live the values day to day. And so training the HR professionals to have the courage for how to speak to their managers and their bosses to get this message across for consistency and integrity, that's sometimes easier to think about and harder to actually do. Yeah, I'm assuming that that's, that's the challenge. I mean, that is the challenge of, of any human resource department, I believe, is Correct. almost, it, I think it's really easy to become the wind vane of uh, the company in a way right. that they almost right. and, and really HR has got to be uh, in in many ways steering the ship and and think that I think that that's so yeah. counterintuitive to everyone's like well it's the sales department or it's yeah. legal or and yet <laughs> if HR gets left behind or they're yeah. not brought up to the executive level. And again, it depends on the size of the company for sure. And yet they're the ones that typically have their pulse on the people and the feelings and the actual, the reality of the culture beyond what's published out there. They're the ones that really, they're in the, they're in the trenches. They're in the nitty gritty. They know what's the reality that is going on. And so their, their ability to hone and train their skills is really important. And so there's there's the classic HR, you know, the underpinnings that, that we talked about in terms of, you know, benefits, payroll, legal, all of those things essential for keeping a smooth ship running. And what we focus on is either partnering with HR and or training and mentoring the HR professional to how to expand their knowledge base into what we call HRD or HR development. And, you know, the, there's big trends out there, even changing names for HR professionals. They're sometimes just called talent managers now. So the true naming of things, you know, are they managing the talent? Are they, in, are they recruiting? What are they looking for? And so helping them to see that it's also about developing and training your people in, in some of the, in the soft skills that are now getting a lot of the credit that just like you said earlier, just seems kind of like a no-brainer. Yeah, well, and and it's bigger than putting a ping pong table in your office. <laughs> how many? Yeah, how many small <laughs> companies have done that one? Um, oh, we got a ping pong table. We've got such a cool culture. It's great. 
I was speaking with uh, an HR rep from a Fortune 500 company uh, earlier this, I, I guess it was uh, sometime in July, and uh-huh. and he was he was you know kind of venting to me privately about this situation uh, with his employer, and he said you know we had yeah. some major layoffs uh, that that needed to happen, and yeah. you know what the C-suites or whoever was making the decisions right. for this layoff. I mean, they laid off thousands of people, right? Uh, he said, Ouch. You know, what, uh, what was decided was they wanted to uh, start cutting back in the recruiting section of HR really heavily because, yeah. um, you know, they said, hey, we're not going to do as much recruiting. And his, you know, venting to me was, uh, wow. In a similar vein, he goes, you know, we're going to lose other people by attrition anyways. You're going to need yep. recruiters. Uh, we right. may get lean, and yep. but we're still going to – so you're firing these people that are going to keep – and it wasn't just recruiters. There's other people in HR as well. And he said, you know, you're firing some of these people in the HR department. Uh, and you laid a number of them off because you thought, well, we're reducing our, our workforce. We don't need as many. And he said, you know, his point was – We've got major issues with our culture because we just laid off a huge yep. percentage of the workforce. We're about yeah. to have to recruit a lot more people because there are going to be a lot of people that jump ship. And so it was just this whole right. understanding that yeah. he saw it from 30,000 feet. And yeah. he said, you know, honestly, Dave, if if we were doing this in an intelligent way, we would release some people. And he said, but really, we would keep our HR intact because they would be the ones that really help drive us to the That's next right. place in the company's development. That's exactly right. And so what part of what we're really hoping to accomplish here in San Diego is create an educational process as well to help the HR professional get into that sweet suite that C suite and help them to think more systemically. Because they're that that CEO is thinking very short sighted. And that's where I'm saying, see, it seems like a no-brainer, but you're not taking care of your people. You're not taking care of the transition. You're not paying attention to the change management part to help the, help people get through this loss and past the fear of the layoffs that you need to do and see that that also can create some opportunity for some folks. And instead, the good people now start jumping ship because the they the leadership didn't listen to HR and do this more carefully with a scalpel. They came in with a sledgehammer. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of sad, but we're, we we hear that story a lot, mm. and we work really hard to get the HR taken seriously so they can articulate and help that leadership team vision better and systemically out into the future so they don't make these drastic cuts in places that they're just going to end up shooting themselves in the foot yeah later on that's really too bad and that's that it is it's it's a really a common story we hear that a lot and that's why i say people they they panic they just look at the bottom line and they panic and then they start slicing and dicing without really thinking it through yeah. Well, Michelle, uh, I want to move yes. the conversation to our rapid-fire questions that we ask all of our sure. the people that we interview. Um, so first question, what's the best yeah. business advice you've ever received? 
Great question. Um, when I think about that, two things come to mind. Best business advice from a very high-powered uh, business female who I admired tremendously rose through the ranks. And here's what she said. She said, throw away your watch and get a good compass. Because particularly as a woman in business, if we want to also have a relationship and raise a family and be a professional, can you have it all at the same time? Sometimes not. Yet I do believe you can have it all. You've just got to get clear on your intention and your vision and not worry about how fast or what the time frame is. But trust that you're headed true north for your true north, for your passion. Man, I love That's that. been great advice. Throw away your watch and get a good compass. The next piece that really kicked me um, into another level was many, many years ago, I first, when I was first training as a coach, I was practicing, so I was giving it away for free. And then I started charging a nominal fee of, you know, $25 an hour. And then I had a full docket. And then I had a lot of uh, therapist colleagues and friends come to me and say, Michelle, you're not charging enough. You need to charge more. <laughs> and I got and I got really nervous, you know, all of myself out and my fears. Like, how can I ask my clients to pay more money? How can I? And and part of it was that I kept thinking, oh my gosh, but it hardly feels like I'm working. I'm sitting. I'm being with people. I'm holding space. I'm supporting I'm you know being there with people and it didn't feel like work in the essence of you know what hard work this old self-limiting belief that I had about work and and I got really nervous it's like well how do I ask for more and a dear colleague and friend of mine turned to me and she said Michelle would you want to get paid for not being yourself mm. and man that was that was a, a big wake-up call for me it's like it doesn't feel like work because I'm in my true calling because I'm living my passion so no it doesn't feel like work to me I'm doing what is natural to my my state of being and my intentions and my passion and so it was, you know what, it's okay to monetize and get paid for doing what you do best in the world. Yeah, that's good. And that was, that was huge. That was great advice for me. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so uh, small business owner, uh, what's, yeah. what's something you're spending too much time on right now? <laughs> uh, email. <laughs> I think, you know, like email is the bane of our existence. It's like it's become our go-to. This is how I get my work done and keep track of everything. And sometimes it just feels like it can overwhelm the system. So I've had to come up with different ways of not letting my inbox run my life. <laughs> so yeah. I work on trying to manage that so it doesn't uh, overwhelm my system. 
No, I think that's man. I think that's such a common one too. Uh, what What do you need yeah. to spend more time doing in your in your work? Well, I would shift the word need to want, and what I would say is I've been uh, I've been putting off spending time writing down our story. Michael and I really have a phenomenally interesting story and pathway for how we got where we are. And we've been talking about writing it down and we've started it and then life has taken over and haven't set my intention to the degree that I want to, to start getting it down on paper. And mostly it's to leave a legacy for our children. Mm. So that's what I, that's what I'd like to spend more time doing. I love that. I love that. What's yeah. what's the best book you've read recently that's helped you in your career? Well, I would say there's a few books, and and I wouldn't say they're they're so recent because I I just think there's some classics out there that are must must read. And one is um, Daniel Goleman's Everything That He Has Written, especially Working with Emotional Intelligence. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. Patrick Lencioni's work, also enormously important. And I think it still stands. You know, Jim Collins, Good to Great. All those have been enormous helps. And then when I look at your question, I want to add just one piece that I stay on top of all the time. And that is I'm certified in personality profiling. So your question is, is really that has helped your career right? Oh, yeah. And what I, and what I would say is what's really helped my career is being very well versed in a personality profile instrument. And the one that I use is called the pe- the prep P R E P. And it's a personal strengths profile. And I just think it's brilliant. And it has been the reason that I say it has helped my career. It's because that is often my door opener. Lots of times executives or um, CEOs, why should I work with you? Uh, What do you bring to the table that's different or that's going to really help me understand myself? And oftentimes there's a lot of skepticism at the top. And when I go in with this profile, it literally takes under five minutes to answer just a very quick ranking system and you get a 22 page thorough printout that just completely shocks people that it picks up so much so quickly and so easily and that's a that has been a phenomenal door opener for me in my career mm-hmm. and helpful for all the HR people that I work with most HR people they use you know, they use Myers-Briggs or DISC or PI. There's so many out there right now. And I just say, get immersed in at least an instrument that works for you because it will help you in your career tremendously. I love that. For, ge- for getting buy-in. It really helps to get buy-in, especially with the skeptics in your organization. Oh, yeah. It's an easy way to, it's an easy way to win them over because it's in black and white. And they're the ones that answered the questions. 
There you go. There you go. All right. So, so last question, what are you yeah. most looking forward to accomplishing over the next year? Um, well, this is a, that's a perfect question for me right now because next month I am turning 65 and I am so excited that my husband and I are one more time reinventing ourselves and immersing ourselves in our business in a new way. And what I'm most looking forward to is mentoring and training the next generation of facilitators and coaches mm. and growing, growing our seminars so that as we train facilitators and coaches, we're sort of looking at creating an extension model so that other people can facilitate the emotional intelligence seminars that we train and know that they're in really, really good hands. So I'm super excited about, um, training this next generation that's awesome and that way i don't i don't ever actually really need to retire i just get to <laughs> i just don't have to work quite as hard <laughs> that's great i love it I so love it. so that's what i'm looking forward to well michelle thanks so much for joining us if people want to check out more about uh you and possibilities yeah. consulting where would they go to find that information well, they could go right to our website. It's possible.co. It, that throws people off, although it's starting to be more normal right now. It's not C-O-M. It's just C-O, possible.co. And what I would like your listeners to hear is we do have an emotional intelligence seminar coming right up in a couple of weeks on October 20th through 22nd, our first level. And... And I have a women's retreat day called Body and Soul on December 2nd. And any of your listeners, if they would like to jump in and participate, I have a 20% discount code for them for either one of those events. Oh, my goodness. They can, just, they can get a 20% discount on our three-day seminar or our one-day retreat in December. And the discount code for your listeners is RETHINK. All caps, 20. Awesome. And if they just put in that code, it will automatically give them a 20% discount on our three-day emotional intelligence seminar or our one-day women's retreat, which is called Body and Soul, working with women on body image and self-acceptance. I love it. Well, thank you so much for that generous yeah. offer, Michelle. And thanks for stopping by and yeah. chatting. This has been really, really great. It's been a pleasure, David. I look forward to staying in touch. Thanks.